Good morning, everybody. I'm not Chris, but we're so glad that you all are here. Um, Chris couldn't make it today, so we have all come up with something that's uh, going to be extra special, I'm sure. So as long as, <laughs> as long as God's name is praised, we're doing good, right? So let's stand and sing this morning, and we'll get it going. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous perfect either so thank you all oh am I supposed to welcome them okay welcome I'm so sorry I would much rather be over in that corner singing harmony so uh, forgive me I pray for grace um, the, welcome everybody why don't y'all shake hands and we'll get going on the next song but we're so glad you're here 
And um, we just pray that we have a good service. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. With truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his Sorry, I'm also distracted by my kids running back and forth, and I'm not sure why. So, <laughs> you want to pray? Producers, please come forward. Father in heaven, we thank you for the day that you have given us this day. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made of giving your son so that he can be sacrificed for us. We don't deserve your love, but you freely give it, and we should freely accept it and try to follow your ways and your commandments. The Ten Commandments are not a suggestion. They are commandments. 
and we should try to follow them as best as we can. Pray with us now for this offering. Pray for the church. And just thank you, God, for your son. Amen. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving the light for those who long have gone, guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on, O oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon us until the glory dawns, guiding the wise men on their way unto the where Jesus lay, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Beautiful star, the hope of light, guiding the pilgrims through the night, over the mountains till the break of
beautiful star of Bethlehem shine Stand with me and sing. I need some help up here. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone.
For the homeless that I work with, I see the one common denominator that they have is something has happened in their life and they lose everything. Everything that they've depended upon, everything that they've trusted in is gone. It's broken. People walk into that forest with the intent that they will never walk out. That's what Ryuichi tried to do. Commit suicide. So, this is 自分を多分ストレスの吐け口やり場のない気持ちを自分に向けてたんだと思いますね。When he was five, his parents didn't want him. They actually tried to drown him in the ocean. That rejection stayed with him his entire life. もちろんあのここの樹海がみんながよくしに来る場所っていうのは知ってました。自殺しようとした時にその富士山の頂上に5合目までかなに行くバスがこう何回行っても出ないんですよねもうお金がなくなってしょうがなく新宿に行ってそこから寝られそうな良い公園に行きましたはいいいですかすいませんどうもありがとうございますジャムです Several times a week, we have what we call sidewalk chapel, taking the church to the park, and we're worshiping with the homeless where they are. So, by approaching a homeless person, even a simple thing like giving somebody a piece of bread starts the relationship. About 10 years ago, several missionaries began working with homeless people. These marginalized people responded to the gospel. Japanese Christians joining with missionaries and homeless people and former homeless people who come back, we all team together to do the work. The first time I met Ryuichi, he had a little bit of hope. And within a matter of weeks, this young man came to faith in Christ. そのタイミングを知ってるのが神様だけだっていうのをその瞬間に感じ取りましたで今なぜもう一度生きようかと思ったのは愛してくれてる人がいると分かったから喜びは聖書の言葉が分かった瞬間ですかね He became a person of joy <laughs> He knows the word He's taking responsibility for teaching and discipling others The 180 degree transformation of this young man's life was amazing and, and a blessing to watch. I have the privilege of working with about 20 or 30 guys who have been baptized in the last couple of years. These men and women who were completely lost and now they've been found, they identify themselves with this body of Christ. To learn how much God loves you. And operate out of that love. And that's transformational. This past week has been the Lottie Moon Christmas offering week of prayer. And today is day eight, so the last day of that. So that was a video there sharing about what God is doing there in Japan. It's exciting to see that we give. And our goal for our church is $15,000. We're already at like、uh, $19,30. So 
uh, almost at $2,000. So every dime given goes to supporting our Southern Baptist missionaries that serve in places like Japan to reach people in foreign countries and around the world with the gospel. So and I know today in children's church, as the children go downstairs, they're going to be receiving their Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering a bank that they can collect, has a little Lottie Moon on it. And they'll be able to bring that back in two weeks. Two weeks from today, we have children's sermon. And they'll be able to turn in our, their um, little Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering bank and certainly give to Lottie Moon. If you didn't get a chance or maybe you weren't here and didn't receive the prayer guide, you can always just go on the uh, IMB's website and uh, follow along and pray even this coming week for different missionaries. Always encouraging to lift up our missionaries that we support as they certainly share the gospel. So if you have your Bible this morning, open it up to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 39, and then through 58. Also in your bulletin, you want to pull out your bulletin insert here, and you'll want to be able to follow along here. This is a, a continuation of our Christmas encouragement message. And today, there's um, a lot of scripture, because what I'm going to talk about today is Mary... Mary received a visit from the angel Gabriel that she was going to have a baby. And Mary had a relative. The Greek word, a lot of us were in our KJV Bible, tells us that her relative was actually a cousin, and that was Elizabeth. But the actual word is relative. So Elizabeth could have been a cousin or even an aunt to Mary. We just don't know. But they were related, and what happened was, Mary is going to leave and go south to go visit with her relative Elizabeth because Mary needed encouragement. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Next Sunday, we're going to be looking at how Joseph needed encouragement. Joseph, when he found out that his fiance that he's engaged to is expecting and he's not the father, he changed his plans in his mind. Instead of marrying her, he was going to divorce her. I said, how do you div get divorced if you're engaged? Back in Bible times, even when you were engaged, if you broke off the engagement, it was a legal binding document between two families. You were considered divorced even if you just broke off an engagement. So we're going to be looking at how Joseph needed encouragement, and he received that in a dream as well as Mary needed encouragement, and he, she received that from a family member, a relative named Elizabeth. And the goal of this is this, this December, this Christmas season, that you likely have family members, you know folks who are close to you, and they are in need of encouragement. It's easy to get discouraged during Christmas because you can get overwhelmed and you miss the meaning because of the busyness and all the event after event after event going on. But most importantly, Christmas is about Jesus. And it's an opportunity for us to point people and push people towards the Lord. So let's follow along in our Bible here. Luke 1.39 In those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now remember, Mary was likely a teenager. We don't know. She was a young lady. Could have been 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years. We have no idea how old Mary was. She's engaged to, to, to Joseph, and they were from this region called Galilee, which would be Nazareth. Up in, um, in, that, in those communities, they're more northern Israel. And what happened here 
is, if you look at the verses earlier, back up in verse 36, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, Gabriel told, because Mary's wondering, gosh, how am I, a virgin, going to have a baby? And what happened is, God reassured her and even told Mary, and consider your, verse 36 says, and consider your relative Elizabeth, even how she conceived a son in her old age. And she is now in the sixth month for her who is called childless. Elizabeth was older. We don't know how old Elizabeth was. She was probably a grandmother's age, maybe 50, 60, 70 years old, however, however old grandparents are. She was on up there. She was married to someone named Zechariah. And the same angel Gabriel appeared to, um, came to Zechariah. He would go into the temple and it was time for the sacrifice and they would cast lots and the lot fell to him. And that meant he was the one to go back in the Holy of Holies. Well, you could live your whole life and you would never get selected to go back there. But this time it happened to fall to Zechariah. Well, Zechariah went back there and lo and behold, he's back there and an angel appears to him and saying, Zechariah, your, child, your um, wife, Elizabeth, I know you are well up in years, but you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah questioned the angel and he walked out speechless for nine months. The angel says, because you didn't believe me and you questioned me, you're not going to be able to speak until this child is born. So he pulls out as he starts using a writing board and start a tablet, old timey tablet of pen and paper and started communicating for nine months because he questioned what God was doing. So that what happens is Bible goes on to say earlier in that uh, chapter, Luke chapter one, that uh, Elizabeth, because she's older in her age, she went into seclusion for five months. Probably because it was um, unusual for a woman of her age to have a baby. So um, she just um, went and hid at the house. But then what happened was, six months later, this same angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary, and now she's having a baby. And is told, your relative Elizabeth, even in her old age, she's already six months pregnant. Now... I want to tell you why the angel told Mary that Elizabeth was expecting. Because Mary, you have to remember, she's a young lady. She needed reassuring. So if she wanted to confirm what this angel spoke to her, and it's not every day an angel appears to you and speaks, she could travel south. She lived up in Nazareth, and it says here she had to go down in verse 39, she had to go down to Judea, and that's around uh, Bethlehem. That's around um, uh, Jerusalem. That would be going south. So she probably traveled south 30 miles to go visit Elizabeth to find out if this really is true. Am I having a baby and I'm a virgin? Like, is my family member, cousin, aunt Elizabeth, who has never had a child, she's just served the Lord faithfully her whole life, is she now expecting a baby? Because she's probably a little too, too old to be doing that. And sure enough, that's where we pick up here. So Mary is going to set out right away, and she's going to see if it's true. Verse 40. Where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, look at this, the baby leapt inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the baby inside of Elizabeth is, we know now, John the Baptist. He's six months old. When Elizabeth and John the Baptist hear the voice of Mary, John the Baptist starts jumping for joy inside the womb. This is why we should always support the sanctity of human life. This is not uh, a non-being or just a big mass inside of Elizabeth. This is actually a baby. John the Baptist is responding to Mary inside the womb. So a baby inside the womb is still a baby. This is why abortion is so wrong, because this is a living being Inside of, a, inside of its mother. Verse 42. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. Verse 43. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Do you know the very first place, the very first confession in Scripture of Jesus is Lord is right here. And do you know who made it? Elizabeth did. She recognized, apparently God had revealed, had come to Elizabeth before Mary arrived and said, Hey, Elizabeth, your relative Mary is going to have a child. But it's not going to be any child. It's the Son of God. It's the Messiah. And Joseph's not the father. God's the father. So, Elizabeth is recognizing Mary is not carrying just any old baby. She's carrying our Savior. So when she made that statement, that comment, that how could, so that the mother of my Lord, she's recognizing this baby, even though he's in Mary's womb, he's already my Lord. That's the first confession in Scripture of Jesus as Lord. And Jesus was right there in Mary's womb. All right, keep going here. Verse 44. For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. So God is using Elizabeth, an older Elizabeth, to bless younger Mary. And the biblical principle takeaway we see here is Mary needed encouragement. She's a young lady who's had a highly unusual thing happen to her, carrying the Son of God, and she needed some reassurance, and she received it from her relative Elizabeth. Now, how, how do we understand Mary? Mary, in the Roman Catholic Church is taught wrongly. She is taught that our salvation, just as Jesus came through Mary, we also get saved going through Mary. That's that's not biblical salvation. We don't go through Mary to get saved. Mary is highly regarded in Scripture because of one thing she did. Mary was obedient to God. She obeyed what the Lord said. God sent an angel, Gabriel, 
And she said and responded, she obviously had some doubts, asked, how can this be because I'm a virgin? How am I able to do this? How can this happen to me? But the Lord reassured her and says, hey, not only can it happen to you, but even with your relative Elizabeth, she also is having a baby, that reassurance. And then the scripture goes on to say in Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, Zechariah answered differently. When God came to Zechariah, or sent the angel Gabriel to Zechariah, he answered with cynicism, saying, how can I be sure of this? Because we're really old, as if implying, God, angel, you're a little mixed up right here. Elizabeth and I are old folks. I mean, are we really going to have a baby? And there's this cynicism that Zechariah has. And because of that, how he was sure that was going to happen, he became speechless. God answered that request and says, I'll show you how you're going to be sure. You're not going to talk when you walk out of this uh, most holy of holies anymore. And you'll certainly be for sure then. And that was the difference because both, if you read on the early part of Luke, both Zechariah and Mary were somewhat startled by meeting, obviously, an angel, the angel Gabriel. But look what Mary does here. Mary responds to a, with a song and a praise. And what's powerful about this song is she doesn't quote any, any scripture. She knew her Bible well enough. She was Jewish. She was from the tribe of Judah. She knew from the lineage of David. She knew what God had done and certainly that God was going to send a Messiah. But to this point, there was no Messiah. So, uh, and obviously, no one would have imagined it would have been like this, young Mary, for certain. Verse 46, look what her praise is. Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His servant. That's her attitude. She is there serving the Lord. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the Mighty One has done great things for me. And His name is holy. She's directing all the praise to the Lord. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering His mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Now look at this. This is an important Bible verse here, verse 56. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. I want to tell you what I think. I'm going to read into Scripture somewhat with this. Remember, Joseph and Mary are engaged they lived in the Nazareth Galilee community. Mary finds out she's expecting a baby and God is the father. In that revelation, the angel informed that relative Elizabeth also having a baby. And the Bible says she hurried, meaning she got up and said, Mom, Dad, I need to go visit Elizabeth and see what's going on with her. Because she wants to confirm, am I really having a baby? As a virgin. So she left her home in Nazareth and traveled south about 30, 40 miles to the Judean area where Elizabeth lived, down near Jerusalem. 
and she was gone. I believe during these three months, this is the time period. She Remember, she's left Joseph. So, you know, obviously they're not living together, but they, he's also from the Nazareth area, that community, Galilee. So she's gone away from him for three months. And it, he did likely, because Matthew chapter 1 records this, Joseph, when he finds out that she is expecting, at that point, he decides he wants to divorce her. I believe... Mary goes down to visit Elizabeth, stays down there three months. He comes back, or she comes back to him and realizes, because remember, Elizabeth's baby's only six months, so she stays there until John the Baptist is born. Then she goes back home after Elizabeth gives birth. She goes back home and shares these breaking news with her fiancé, hearing about how old age Elizabeth just had a baby. And now, by the way, I'm three months pregnant. haven't told you, but now I'm probably starting to show starting to see signs that I'm having a baby too. That's probably when Joseph decided that he was going to leave her. We'll be getting into that next week. He's probably thinking, you know, she went down there for three months. She got pregnant down there because she was gone for, you know, three months away. Now she's come back and she's expecting. That's, so that's a, you know, that's pretty a common response for Joseph. He just, he doesn't believe her. You're pregnant and God's the father? This makes no sense. I mean, would you believe that? Anyway, that's, uh, you don't have to answer it. But men, if that was your spouse or your fiancé or your daughter, you would just think, this just seems a little fishy. And that's likely what happened. Mary was gone from her home for three months. She was with Elizabeth. And during that three months, that is important time. That's when Elizabeth mentored and discipled Mary. So she received encouragement from her relative about what God was doing. Look what happens here. Verse 57. It goes on to say, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Look at this. Look at the encouragement from, from the relatives and neighbors. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. Elizabeth has a baby. The family members, the neighbors rejoice. When God blesses, when God shows favor upon people we know, we are not to become envious of them, We aren't to become angry and jealous thinking, why did they get this? Why did this happen to them? How did they always get the good breaks when it doesn't happen to me? We are to rejoice, to encourage, and to bless other people. When someone has a baby, you should rejoice with them. That is new life that has come into the world. God creates all babies. God is the author of life. And what happens here, Elizabeth, not only did she encourage Mary, but she received encouragement from her neighbors and her relatives. It's good to bless and honor those that have good things happen in their life, especially during Christmas time. This is the Christmas story. 
Do you know, we see here how Mary received encouragement from Elizabeth. Elizabeth had a son. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was very unique. John the Baptist was one of those guys that just spoke truth. Have you ever known anybody and you heard they need like a filter on their mouth or uh, they need a muffler or they just tell you how it is and, and if they offend you or hurt your feelings, that's your problem. They don't care. Uh, it seems like men more, more likely are like that than women. But I have some family members, Sherry, sometimes claim I'm that way. You can just, you just say, this is what I think. It's just, here's the facts. Well, John the Baptist was one of those guys. He was that type of preacher. And he called out sin when he saw it. Well, that gets you in trouble when you do that, especially when uh, the king is Herod. And Herod was married to someone, and he was sleeping around with someone else. And John called out. He was sleeping with his brother. He took his brother-in-law's brother-in-law's wife, which was uh, adultery, immoral, and he called him out and found himself locked up in prison for that. Herod says, okay, you're going to call me a sinner? Watch, John, where I'm going to put you. So he, he ends up in jail. But what happens, I want to tell you, the, at John the Baptist's lowest point was when Jesus responded with encouragement at the highest point. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 3, it says here, look at what happened. Matthew eleven three. 3. What would typically happen is John's in, John's in jail, and he had these disciples. And back in those times, the disciples would come and speak to him, visit him, and speak to him while he was locked up. And they wanted to um, get word from John. Well, John was going to send a message through his disciples to Jesus. And this question to, to her Jesus is, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? You know, when you're in prison, and you're locked up, and you're isolated, you lose perspective. I, I've known some folks who do prison ministry, and they always say in the prison, when someone gets locked up, what happens? The first few weeks, you always have visitors from the family, the children, the spouse, uh, maybe some friends, some church friends. But then as time goes on, about usually only one person, somebody's been locked up for many years, do you know usually only mama ends up visiting them? And that's probably what's happening here. You get more and more forgotten about, and you're just, you're out of sight, out of mind. And that's what's going on to John. Probably his number of disciples are shrinking. He's losing influence. He had this flourishing ministry, baptizing folks in the Jordan River. And everybody was coming and repenting, and he was preaching against sin and against Herod and against the wickedness of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the immorality going on in their time and all of a sudden he gets thrown in jail and it's like well whatever happened to that guy and so he's you get isolated and you're alone and you lose perspective and he had forgotten that he had baptized Jesus I mean that's really good on your resume to put I baptized the son of God only John the Baptist can say that. But look how Jesus responds. Look at verse 11 up here. You know, when, it, it, when Jesus is attacked, he does not attack back. He spoke the highest possible compliment you could say about any human ever to live except him. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. What that means 
is of all the people ever born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest man. And you say, why was that? John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus was. He was born and was the final prophet in the Old Covenant. When Jesus was born, all of a sudden, the New Testament breaks in. That's what we call the New Covenant. John closed out the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. Because back in John's time, when he was born, before Jesus was born, you were saved by being faithful and being declared righteous by God and living according to the Ten Commandments and honoring the law and God's commands in your life. When Jesus was born, He ushered in the New Covenant, which you receive by receiving Jesus as your Savior. That's why the birth of Christ at Christmas is so important. We have a break in world history. What happened in Bethlehem with Jesus stepping into the world. But of all the people ever born... John the Baptist was the last prophet of the Old Testament. And his purpose was to pave the road for Jesus who was coming. And he certainly did that. He wanted everybody to get ready. The Messiah is coming. His name was known as a herald. He's announcing there's breaking news that's occurring. And you need to follow what God is doing. And John the Baptist found himself locked up, and Jesus says these words at his lowest point. But he goes on in that verse, in verse 11, he says, But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What that means is, the least in the kingdom of heaven. Who ushered in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus did. The kingdom of heaven is the new covenant. Kingdom of heaven is the presence of God here now on earth. Jesus is saying, those who receive me, and all of the people who will follow me afterwards are actually more blessed than all the other people who've ever lived because they have seen the work of God. They've seen God step into the world. And what's amazing about this verse, at John's lowest point, Jesus responded at the most best compliment you can ever give to a man. He was the greatest man to ever be born of a woman. You say, wasn't Jesus born a woman? Yes, he was, but he didn't have an earthly father. His father was God. So he, John's father was Zechariah and Elizabeth. So that's the difference there. You know, John the Baptist, do you know, shortly after this, his ministry is cut short. His head is served on a silver platter to Herod as mockery. He was beheaded. This man came on the scene, six months older than Jesus, greatest prophet ever to live, boldly preached Christ. He baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And that's why we receive, listen, if Jesus got baptized, you should receive baptism too. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism shows our identity as following Christ. If it's, if it's important to Jesus, if it's most important for Him to do it, we should do it as well. And John the Baptist was one. He had a short ministry, but it was an important ministry. And I think what's powerful about this, do you know, the Bible says, when Jesus heard that John was murdered, he wept. He was sad, he mourned. 
over the murder of John the Baptist. And so Jesus encouraged John the Baptist when he was in prison. Elizabeth encouraged Mary when she was wondering, how on earth can I be expecting a baby? I'm a virgin. This Christmas, who do you need to encourage? Jesus and John were probably second or third cousins. Mary and Elizabeth were either cousins or, or aunts, aunt and uh, niece. This Christmas, do you know family members? Do you have family members who need to know the Lord? Do you know of anyone who is spiritually lost? I'm going to put four things up here, then we'll be done. How God encourages us this Christmas. I want you to be thinking about if God encourages you, if God has saved you, He wants you to do the same. Number one, God loves us. Do you know the Christmas story is a story of God starting biblical salvation? He stepped into the world, ultimately died so we could be saved. If God would allow all of us to die and go to hell, that means He would not love us. We deserve it. But out of His love for us, He wants to see us come into a saving relationship with His Son. We are saved by Jesus. Number two, God saves us from hell. Do you know the Christmas message? The reason why we encourage people, people who are spiritually lost, People who are not saved, your family members, your children, your grandchildren, your uh, parents, grandparents, aunt, uncles, cousins that are not in church this morning, that are not celebrating the birth of Christ, they're thinking about their toys and the, their stuff they're going to get. They are lost. The Bible says they are doomed. Sin leads us to hell. God came to save us from this. And we encourage people who are lost into a saving relationship with Jesus. We shouldn't ever be embarrassed to talk about. Do you know about three weeks ago, our church went on the Kentucky Baptist Convention, a door knocking, a visitation, and we went in this community right here, this neighborhood back there, and we received training from our KBC president, Dr. Todd Gray, and it was over at South or Southern Heights Baptist Church. Had a, it wasn't just our church, it was all sorts of church, Baptist churches here going out in the community sharing the gospel. And I'll never forget what Dr. Gray said. He says, when you tell someone, when you're talking to somebody about Jesus, especially a stranger, as long as they keep the door open, you just keep talking. Have you ever had a telemarker call you? <laughs> That's almost a redundant question. Of course you had. As long as you stay on the phone, what do they do? They just keep talking. As long as you listen, guys, listen, they're talking. If you want to tell someone about Jesus this Christmas, if they're listening, you just keep on going. You don't end the conversation about Jesus. You keep it going. You let them shut it down. That's why he says somebody's opening the door and they're listening. You're just like a salesman. You just keep telling them about the Lord. Read them scripture. Tell them what God's done in your life. Tell them how they can be saved. Invite them to church. Let them know what Christ can do for their family. If they repent and turn it until they shut the door and say, I'm not interested. You keep the conversation going. He says, I, I learned that from telemarketing. Because if you stay on the phone with them, they'll just keep on going. 
That should be us. We have a lost and dying world. In Japan, at Mount Fuji, people go there to die because they're spiritually lost. We send missionaries to go there. We support missionaries who go there to tell them about Jesus. And as long as they'll listen, whether it's the most wealthy person or the poorest person there on that, the streets of Japan, the message is the same. Jesus saves folks from hell. Number three, he saves us from sin. If you're trapped in a sin this morning, if you're struggling with sin, Jesus will forgive you of that. He sets you free from a sinful lifestyle. He washes you clean. He makes you white as snow. We are literally washed in the blood of Jesus. And number four, he saves us to know him. There's folks who need to know Jesus. They need to be saved. And if we know Jesus, there's other people who need to come in the saving relationship with him too. This morning, I want to end with this. I want you to think about it. I just gave two examples. I gave, showed you how Elizabeth encouraged Mary. Mary needed encouragement. She discipled her too. And I showed you how Jesus, when he was attacked and put down and questioned by John the Baptist at his lowest point, Jesus spoke the greatest compliment in the world about John the Baptist. Elizabeth and Jesus encouraged others. Folks, who do you need to encourage this Christmas? What family member do you know that is struggling, that is not here? You know, Christmas, we can make it about gifts and family events, but shift those conversations to the Lord. Say, God, put people in my, my life. Give me the words to say. If they'll listen, I will talk. Be bold in your gospel witness. On your bulletin, sir, there's a question. And you can answer it this week. You might, or you might know the answer now. Very bottom. Which family member needs encouragement this Christmas? And do you know who the encourager is? It's you. God wants you to, and when I say encouragement, you're encouraging them in their relationship with the Lord. You're encouraging them in what they're walking through. You're showing empathy and bearing with one another in whatever they're going through. God wants to raise up us up as encouragers. This morning, I want to ask you, will you do that? Will you look for opportunities in family members? You know, Today, we're looking at how Mary, was, was they, she was receiving this encouragement from Elizabeth. Next week, Joseph needed encouragement too. And he needed encouragement directly from God. And sometimes, there's times in your life, and I'm getting to next week's sermon, that other people can't even handle it. You need the Lord to intervene and encourage you. And one of the ways we do that is you give your life to Christ. We're about to have our invitation. I'm going to invite our band to come forward. We're going to have our invitation for you to respond. If you need encouragement, if you need Christ to do a new work in your life, if you need a touch from the Lord, we close every service with the invitation. I stand down front. You can respond to the gospel. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we'll stand and sing. God, I pray for the folks here this morning. I pray that you encourage us. Lord, you encouraged Mary, you encouraged John the Baptist, encourage me, 
Encourage Broadway. Encourage us here. Lord, raise us up as not only receiving encouragement, but giving it to others. Jesus, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here that needs to make a decision, I pray they will do so and they will respond to the gospel. They make, make, their, make their decision public. Jesus, we give you this invitation. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. It's a song. If you want to come forward for prayer or you want to make a decision, I'll be standing out front waiting for your response. So we're going to lead us in a song. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are where you all for being here this morning and let's close in a word of prayer father we just praise you for this time of season that we can celebrate the birth of jesus father and help us to not just go about the motions or keep him as a baby in our lives but father to make him lord and savior uh, that you've created in our hearts 
Just bless the time that we've had here this morning, and as we go out today, Father, let us take that and share it with those around us, and uh, may you be praised in all that we say and do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.